0: Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your humble host, Andrew, and with me today is Sam Wright of Metal Gear Mondays. How's it going, man? It is going really good, dude. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm had. Uh, whoa, I'm good, <laughs> and I'm happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Sure. So yeah, your show is awesome. Metal Gear Mondays. It's uh related to the Metal Gear series, uh which is also the topic of this podcast as our listener knows they clicked the episode or <laughs> at least put it in their playlist or whatever. I would
1: hope I would hope they had an idea.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert if not. <laughs> it's going to be a Metal Gear one, gang. Uh but yeah, if you're not familiar with this the podcast Metal Gear Mondays, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So Metal Gear Mondays was a show that started um About four years ago, um, going on five now, um, it started out as basically a book club style podcast where two people who have a lot of experience with Metal Gear and two people who had zero experience with Metal Gear um, played through the games and then discussed them like book club style. And it kind of evolved over the years and it kind of turned into... um, less about well still a lot about metal gear but more about like hideo kojima um who created metal gear for those who don't know um the games that he's created um games that he has influenced um movies that have influenced him books and everything under the sun and so we kind of really enjoy talking about all kinds of stuff that we can tangentially relate to hideo kojima these days
0: yeah that's fantastic because he's definitely not shy about sharing his his influences. No, he's not. Um, it's pretty obvious most of the time, but I don't know. It, it's cool. He's he's such an auteur, in my opinion. Like you can tell when he's worked on a game, and it's really cool. And of course, there's you know dozens and hundreds of people who have worked on his games, kind of under his guidance. So it's not like he is you know the sole creator of the universe or anything, but he is very hugely influential and. Um, has made some super cool games with, you know, there's problematic moments perhaps, <laughs> but overall the games are really cool and very uniquely flavored uh, in a way that I really dig. So yeah, it's, it's a cool franchise and it's a really cool podcast. I really like the way you guys set that up. I like the variety of, of people that you've got on the show. is is pretty cool having a bunch of people to bounce thoughts off of and um, explore the franchise and the universes together
1: yeah i really love my my hosts too so i'll give a shout out to them uh cole chris and zach are um are really great and i've i've hosted the show over the years with a lot of really great people um including alessio who he recently departed just for his own personal endeavors but started the show with him and it's been just a really great ride since
0: yeah, in nineteen seasons, like congratulations, man, that's hardcore. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been it's been a couple of years. Like it just it's 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 one of those things where it's just you don't really believe how long you've been doing it. And like, I wouldn't necessarily say super successful, you know. But like, like you know, we have a pretty decent following, and we've had the opportunity to interview like David Hayter, who plays Solid Snake, and and Cam Clark, Liquid Snake, and Jennifer Hale, who's been in not just Metal Gear, but like a bunch of other video games and all kinds of other like crazy people just because, you know, it it's kind of a love letter to this series. And like, we, we like to call it like a time capsule for that kind of stuff. So it's it's been a pretty incredible ride.
0: That is so cool. As we start to kind of get into maybe a little bit of uh, background on the Metal Gear franchise, can you tell us kind of some of the basics about it? For anyone who doesn't know, I mean. We don't have to explain every little detail along the road, but if we assume maybe maybe these people have heard of the series but don't know it uh, as well as you and I do,
1: maybe yeah. So I was going to say that that can that can turn into a really dangerous question real fast. (laughs)
0: Oh oh, yeah, yeah. If we're starting from zero, that might be a a dangerous thing. Yeah, Um,
1: Metal Gear has been around. So Hideo Kojima made the original Metal Gear for I believe it was the NES way back in the '80s, and it was this. It was one of the first ever action games that was centered around stealth and right. the idea of not like forcing combat unless absolutely necessary the idea of sneaking around non-violence and kind of stealthing your way through a situation and thinking about it more critically um and there was a this game it came out it was very popular um and then he kind of went off to do some other stuff and then they messed up the second one really bad and so he came back and made a true second one um that was a similar style and then it went on a break for a while and then it came back in I believe 97 um uh for the PlayStation 1 with a game called Metal Gear Solid so Woo. yeah so the main character uh Solid Snake of um the original Metal Gears is back he's this retired stealth spy guy um who we always like to joke retired after two missions because they were too much, <laughs> too much <laughs> chaos. Um, and they kind of bring him back into the, into the fold to kind of, um, thwart this terrorist cell from nuking America. I think it's, it, it's been a while, but, um, a lot happens. It gets very weird. Um, <laughs> I guess this, I guess the, the best summary I can give is, um, Man sneaks around facility and it gets worse. <laughs> I think that's the best
0: summary I can come up with. That is absolutely accurate too. <laughs> like the overall mechanics, I mean, that's largely it. And it's it's always been set in kind of a, a military style setting. There's guns and stuff, but it doesn't play like a lot of other military games where you're just running and gunning, you know, going crazy. Like the the first game, I think the reason why that kind of evolved was the hardware they were designing for, which I think it was originally on some Japanese computer or something, but it couldn't do like smooth scrolling like Mario style where the camera will just follow you from screen to screen. It was going to have to be more like a Legend of Zelda, like you go off the screen and then the camera like jumps over to the next screen. So they're like, well, it really would suck if you just step into the next area and everyone's shooting you already, so we need to slow down the action. So it kind of came from that limitation kind of sparked his creativity to come up with like a okay so you've got cool guns but you have to go slowly what does that look like how about we try to avoid the combat and it it turned into this really flavorful nuanced thing which is really cool so if you look at a clip of any of the gameplay it's largely that uh, with maybe some crazy deviations from there but the storyline is where things get really crazy because it has this baseline of of military action and a lot of tactics and stuff but and then it gets like really kind of anime in a way. Like, there's some really crazy over the top villains. There's some really, uh, diabolical, uh, what do you say, supernatural elements and giant robots and cyborgs and all kinds of amazing stuff that, like, you know, you know, would be on the posters of any like teenage boy's wall. Yeah. Um, all mushed together. So it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, a kid is playing with their action figures and then, like, this this guy who's a huge fan of cinema is like fleshing out the story and making it more intriguing and why is this guy fighting that guy now and it's this really crazy over-the-top story that reminds me at at different times of of like a tom clancy novel it reminds me of like pro wrestling with all these crazy personalities um and you know people returning from the dead and there's tons of james bond influence and the franchise has gone a lot of different places with the different games being set as prequels and different varieties of snakes Mm -hmm. that there are (laughs) uh, and it's kind of interesting lineage and uh a lot of retconning and references and man it's it's quite a stew, and I really uh, I really dig it. It's a cool world for sure.
1: I don't think it's as hard to understand as something as like Kingdom Hearts, maybe because Kingdom Hearts is one of those types of very insane games.
0: Yeah, similarly insane. Yeah, there's a lot
1: of like really like esoteric detail in it, and it comes from him being this like auteur character, which is something that we talk about a lot on on our podcast. Where it's just he just has all of these things in his brain that he wants to do, and he kind of just does them. <laughs> The original Metal Gears, the old school ones, were weird by themselves. But then like Metal Gear Solid, which is insane to say that it is the most grounded one. But it is true. Absolutely. It's the most grounded one in a game where you have a psychic man that reads your mind and throws statue busts at you. Like that's the grounded one. And it kind of goes from there. And it's just like the super like it's just engaging I think it's this very super colorful world like every game has like a like a cast of x-men that you have to take down like it's just very (laughs) totally true it's very especially Metal Gear Solid 3's bosses we 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 like to call them the x-men because it's basically what they are but like it's they it's just so colorful and like exciting and vibrant My first memory of of gaming and I think the reason why I like Metal Gear so much is because um, I would play the first one with my dad and um, I would like watch him play and he would let me play sometimes and I would get angry because I couldn't do it. And so I would give it back to him and we'd kind of go back and forth like that. And I think that was like the first thing I remember uh, being into gaming was because my dad would play Metal Gear with me, Metal Gear Solid, and um, it's been my favorite. It's been one of my favorites, maybe my favorite series ever since.
0: That's so cool and so, like, touching. I definitely have, like, a fond memories of the first game on a, a demo disc for PlayStation 1.
1: Was it the Pizza Hut demo disc?
0: I, you know, I think it was, but I'm not 100% <laughs> sure because I've, I've watched YouTube videos about the Pizza Hut thing, and I'm like, parts of this seem familiar, but I'm not sure... It might have been a pack-in demo disc with the console. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but yeah, it's a really unique-looking game, especially back then. Uh, I don't know, such a monochromatic color scheme and such realistic stuff, like seeing someone's breath as they're breathing, seeing footprints in the snow, which those things are all absolutely par for the course to, in modern video games. Back, but back then, it was like, someone was really thoughtful about how this game goes together and like what would it, it would actually be like to be sneaking around in this situation and it is such a vibrant game considering how muted the color palettes are and how monochromatic they are but they're just gorgeous they're beautiful games they're really cool but yeah let's uh get into like a theme park man so on this show we typically do kind of next generation interactive type stuff um and so we can kind of translate a lot of the mechanics directly um but yeah we get a chance to kind of Uh, hypothetically, design a a physical manifestation of this world where fans of the franchise could actually walk through.
1: I want to make it dangerous because, since it's hypothetical, this thing's going to be dangerous, we're not killing anybody. Absolutely. Real, at Uh least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can tranquilize them. Yeah, we can.
1: I think so, too. I think you (laughs) got to sign a waiver before you walk in, like, hey, we might shoot you with a trank dart. Yeah. Deal with it. You know?
0: I like it. It's hypothetical. We're good. I think
1: my, my my big overall, like, overarching goal with this theme park is to make it as weird and esoteric and nearly alienating to everybody who doesn't get it um, as Metal Gear is in general. <laughs> um, and my first thought was I like the idea of having zones in the park that are stealth mm-hmm. zones.
0: Yes. This this is, like, the the main thing I was hoping to do was... Because I love the idea of like a ninja warrior style obstacle course. That's something I want to do every day of my life. But having it really thematic and because it does similar to a lot of the main game mechanics, which is tactical espionage action, like a lot of sneaking around and hiding and watching for you know a guard's patrol route so he walks past and you can sneak by. So yeah, re- recreating that directly would be really cool. And you'd have uh, you know real humans, park employees. Playing the guards, I assume, they could be robots or something, this is hypothetical, but, you know, where they have a very specific, like, cone of vision, they'll respond to noises that they hear, and then, yeah, try to figure out, you know, what's going on. Like, they're just trying to patrol this this area, and you're trying to sneak through. That'd be so much fun. It would be
1: really cool setting up, like, these, like, traps and walls and stuff like that that you can, like, sneak around, you can give the guests, like, binoculars and stuff like that.
0: And giving them multiple ways to solve the puzzle, because a lot of these are essentially puzzles, um, which you can solve by just going in and shooting everything, but that's usually a lot harder, and the alarm will go off, and more and more bad guys will come, Um but you also have a lot of creativity almost with how you're going to solve this um, whether it's laying down uh, like something to distract the guards or making noise so that they go investigate the noise and you go the other way there's all these kind of creative solutions you can come to to uh, get to your goal like get to the next room I think that'd be so cool and then maybe that you know every other room is kind of a safe place where you're allowed to you know be comfortable and stretch and speak out loud and everything because it'd be so exhausting to uh actually go through these sneaking sections for as long as the characters in the games do. So giving them some kind of break would be good, but I love the idea of you have to sneak past from this part of the park to that part of the park. There's not like a safe way to do it. You just have to sneak through. Um, I think that adds a lot to the tension, which would be really fun.
1: I thought about being mean and making the whole park stealth, but, like, I think you're right. I think <laughs> it does have to be at least a little bit fun at the end of the day. So. Right, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, in, in the series, this this kind of really unique storytelling device, especially it was very brilliantly done on the PlayStation 1, um, which I love those graphics, by the way, but the characters essentially have no expressions on their face. They're basically, like, like action figures or something. But in order to to narrate the story, they have these... Codec conversations, which is like a little phone type thing that's built like put in their inner ear. Is that the way it works?
1: It changes over the course of the series a little bit, but in Metal Gear Solid One, it's an implant that stimulates the small bones of your ear so that you can hear without everybody else being heard. And um, I think like the the science and like what actually happens behind it is is not clear. To a lot of people, because like you kind of just accept that that you're talking and that guards can't hear you and nothing, nobody can hear you.
0: Right. It makes sense that you could receive a transmission and no one else would hear it, but you're still talking to uh, send your your input.
1: So, like, people wonder, is like, well, can you think and then they'll hear your thoughts? Like, is that how it works, or or what? And then, like, in all of these games the people make facial expressions like they're talking face to face to each other. So then you have to right. wonder, is there is there a, a visual element to this that we don't know about that they never talk about? Or is this, is it just for the audience or what? Um, you The the Metal Gear series, as, as interesting as it is, you do have to give a little bit of uh, suspension of uh, disbelief.
0: Which is good. Yeah. It, it sinks you into the universe more and it, it makes it more engaging if you're, not trying to point out the flaws and you know circle all the areas in red that are you know wrong just go with it it's fun So I, I think the idea of doing something with a, a codec type system would be really cool. I don't know, it could be something like Iron Man, you know how you can see his face even though he's in the suits. Like the suit isn't emoting, but you can see the human inside emoting. That's kind of the the sort of dichotomy of, of the way that this works in the game. Like the character's face isn't emoting very much, but in the Codex you can see players' reaction or the character's reactions and you can see what they're saying and hear what they're saying and allow for some dialogue that way. So we could do those sections, uh, either allow just the guards to, they just ignore whatever you're saying, Um, you know, just pretend like you can't hear that or whatever, or maybe that those kind of uh, dialogue sections would happen in the more safe rooms in between. And we could have some symbols in the park, you know, like once you pass any orange doorway, you're free to talk, and then once you you know go through a blue doorway, don't talk or whatever, because um, you're sneaking. Like we can we can have some iconography that denotes what's allowed in this space. Um, because we something that we say on the show pretty often is that blasting something is okay, but punching is not, because you can actually hurt people and hurt yourself when you're punching them. But guns can be faked pretty easily and pretty effectively. So, yeah, there is the whole uh, CQC, close quarters combat uh, thing from this series where you can sneak up behind a guard and, like, snap their neck, which um, we don't want them doing that to our employees. No, not We've not. got great benefits, but, you know, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Although they could be robots, or maybe all of the park uh, employees wear like a like a neck brace type thing <laughs> that prevents them from being choked out. I
1: still think that if, if we were to allow something like that, you would always get some overzealous, insane person that would still manage to make it bad. So I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if that's great. And we
0: can't give them knives that way, which, you know, Snake has a knife sometimes. Yeah. Uh so yeah, things could get uh, a little rowdy in uh, some of the combat areas, because that is one of your creative tools as, as you know, the main character is to use violence if you want to, or if it's necessary. Um, although the game does generally encourage kind of a pacifist run, so to speak, where you know, and most... of I don't know about most of them, but several games are, you can complete them without killing anyone except for the boss characters.
1: Yeah. Well, so that's actually a thing. So the first one um, you can't like, you can't get away with like, if you're going to, if you're going to fight, you're going to kill. But in Metal Gear Solid 2, they introduce the tranquilizer stuff. And so ever since Metal Gear Solid 2, you've had the option of not killing, even the bosses, like the bosses technically die, but you can take them down non-lethally. So, even though they will die, you can still feel good that you did something kind.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, which I really appreciated. Like, I'm vegan. I'm kind of a weirdo, but like, it's not necessarily something you want to think about while you're playing video games all the time. Like, when I would play Minecraft uh, in the early days, I would play vegan. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to kill any animals. And it was like kind of an additional little challenge. But I also liked that in um, Metal Gear Solid 2, where it's like, you know, if this was me, if I'm role playing as myself here, I'm not gonna kill anyone unless I absolutely have to. So I'm gonna use the tranquilizer gun, like it's nothing. especially
1: if you have the tools, the tools to not kill somebody, right?
0: Exactly, and it's an extra little challenge. It's it's a a little harder to do, but also kind of cool.
1: He's got a lot of stuff to say about like nonviolence and peace throughout the Metal Gear series, and then especially now with uh, Death Stranding, like he's got a lot to say. He, like he very much believes in in that piece because he grew up. Like post World War Two Japan, you know. So he has a he's seen a lot of that stuff, and especially in four, I think it is a Metal Gear Solid four. Um, it's actually a lot easier to just go guns ablazing in four than it is in the previous games. And if you do, you have this like sanity gauge almost that goes down and like st- like affects the rest of your stats. I guess I'll say and if you kill too many people like Snake will stop and like vomit because he's like having this like visceral reaction to 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 this death and it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I, the the series definitely kind of fetishizes this like over the top uh war like action and you know, instead of just having nuclear, you know, warheads, they have like mechas that can launch them. Like they there's much more um stylization and I don't know they they turn a lot of like really scary war stuff into like a kind of cool character that you want a toy of you know it's like it kind of makes things a lot friendlier but I also think that can be kind of a cool and interesting tool to discuss and think about these things a little bit more I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to, to do like a, you know, read the philosophy of the metal gear franchise or something to get into this stuff a little bit more, or Hey, maybe Dr. Anthony Bean, our guest from the last episode would want to write a book on, you know, uh, using the metal gear franchise in relation to psychology. Cause there's a lot of interesting connections there.
1: There's a really kind of in-depth book called the Kojima code by a guy named Terry Wolf, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times. Um, that really does like a huge deep dive into like Kojima and his um, thought process and things like that. And that's an interesting read for anybody who wants to kind of get a good, like, look into that, like that world.
0: I'm totally interested in that. That sounds awesome. Um, But yeah, those are interesting things to to explore here in the park in one way or another, like, you know, maybe giving an additional bonus if you you complete it non-lethally.
1: Maybe there could be like, um, like a flag football thing almost. So like, If you can get up to a guard while they're looking away, and you can pull their flag, they go like they get down on the ground, and they're there for like X amount of time. I like that a lot. Yeah, and then they get back up after a little bit, and then they keep going. Or like maybe you can have a knife, but like it's like one of those like Nerf things, and you like tag them in the back, and then they go down too. Yeah, that could be
0: something. I like that a lot, and we could just have the the guards could just be really high tech robots, where you actually you know can attack them and drag their bodies to hide them in a locker so they, they don't discover each other and all that kind of stuff that'd be that'd be pretty cool you can throw them off railings that way and do a lot more fun crazy stuff yeah
1: i like the idea of high-tech robots
0: this oh is, of course this is good yeah absolutely why not <laughs> this is the metal gear universe after all
1: high-tech robots everywhere
0: several people who are usually on Snake's side, whether that remains true throughout the story or not uh, depends on, on the person, but uh, people who contact you via your codec, you know, help you figure out your mission and where you're supposed to go next and keep you updated on, you know, breaking news and stuff like that. And then also you've got, like, is it Metal Gear Solid 4 we have got the little robot who can help you complete additional tasks?
1: The Mark II, yeah. Mark
0: II, that's it. Um, I kind of like the idea of having some amount of kind of support staff so to speak for for the part guests if they take the role of snake having people in your ear who can assist you with stuff is kind of necessary from like a tutorial perspective but also can be kind of cool if you can unlock other characters so like you know um, to reward repeat play and, and good performance you can get different characters to be the voice in your ear um, or you can even unlock the you know, Mark II to, to help with certain tasks, or maybe there'd be like mini games that use that character.
1: Because I think like during the stealth sections, if we're thinking about how many guests can come into the park at once, it might get tricky to have like live actors doing it.
0: Because there's only one snake in the game, right. so there's only one main character in the main series. Right. So
1: maybe you can have them like pre-record almost, and then they can have those to play and call when they're around the park and then you can have the live actors working during like the rides, maybe and talking to people directly.
0: Cool. I'm not super stoked about having to rely on smartphones for stuff, but it could be a cool cool interactive way to do a codec thing. Like basically it shows up on your phone, like you're getting a call from Naomi or whatever and you can like click on different responses like what would you say like kind of um like in a traditional role-playing console video game where you just click the different options of what you would say and then it can all be pre-recorded of course
1: and this is actually like one of the few series where like a cell phone or like a smartphone could actually work and be effective and and, and cool within the part
0: yeah that's absolutely true um and that would allow for more than purely audio communication whereas if you just have like a little earbud in representing the the codec system you wouldn't be able to like see their expressions for example or um, send updates to the map or send any kind of visual information which could be kind of cool if you're like sneaking around and trying to hide from this guard and then like you know you get a notification you look at it and there's some scary dude in the next room that you didn't realize was there or like mark II sends you a a picture from across the room and you're like oh geez there's a guy i didn't even (laughs) see right underneath me you know like there could be some really cool dramatic moments like that um, where it's like, oh geez, good thing you've got your smartphone app, you know, your, I don't know, Foxhound, uh, phone.
1: I almost wonder too, if like another way to do it is like style it more like an escape room. So it's more like appointment. So
0: yes, it
1: to like relieve that issue. You have like one group go through at one time and then like you get two clicks ahead and then the next group goes in and they just follow a path through the park until they're they're done with all the stuff.
0: Yeah, and you could have some areas that are kind of multiplayer. Like, you know, by the time you get to this point in the story, you've accumulated some allies and you're all infiltrating at once. So that could be kind of an interesting um, team-based tactical experience of, of kind of planning your route like a football play almost of like, how are we going to get through this place? Um, which would allow for more traffic to get through at a time. Or, yeah, just have several different rooms uh, that are kind of single player experiences. Another thing that might alleviate some of this is some missions you could do um, in a different kind of format. The human body gets pretty exhausted pretty quickly, especially normal, you know, soft boys like us. uh, We're going to be pretty uh, exhausted after doing this once. And we're like, okay, uh, I need to like sit down and like eat some food and not do any other movement the rest of the day. So maybe we could have other methods of. Acting this out, uh, whether that's through a digital interface where it's almost like you are portraying the voice in someone else's ear, where you're telling them, "Here's the bad guys," or "Here's the the best method to get through here." So it's almost like a Ooh, chessboard okay. kind of thing where you're kind of pointing out to Snake how he could move around. Which would also be good for people who are differently abled or people who have different, you know, ability levels. Um, you know, if you're really young or really old, for example, you might not want to be trying to take down these you know big robotic guards all the time um but you could still help out with the action by doing this kind of simulated version where you're you're helping snake get to the uh, other end of the room but you don't have to actually physically be snake in that situation so that could that could work and you could do a bunch more people completing those exercises at the same time instead of only one in the room at a time so maybe not as direct or one-to-one but but it makes sense within the universe because there are these these support staff people who a lot of them you never actually like see in the game they're just kind of a voice in your ear the whole game. So yeah, there's there's some precedent there which could be kind of cool. I
1: think so. I like that idea too like having like a like a almost like a VR thing.
0: Yeah, which th- the first game had a was it a spin-off I guess, the VR missions? Yeah, well,
1: so they were like pack they had like 10 of 10 like VR missions packaged on disc and then they released like a full version um later in Japan, I think the next year I want to say, they released in Japan um and then it came over to us eventually, but yeah.
0: Which those are more abstract like just training missions. But the same exact gameplay style. They just have kind of different graphics. So, yeah, we could just do that. They're, they're the VR missions. Oh, shoot. They could actually be VR, though.
1: These days, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. If we could do some convincing VR. Yeah, a
1: little bit of VR, a little bit of AR, a little bit of everything kind of peppered in there.
0: I like it. <laughs> um, And VR and AR could also be used for kind of uh, more gun-based missions. Like, some of the boss battles are, like, against a sniper, which you could do with AR or VR in kind of a cool way. Um, Or even... In real life, you could set it up where it's uh, kind of one-on-one combat, where you are on this structure, which is maybe like a bunch of scaffolding or stairs, like a fire escape style thing, where you can go up and go down, and you are trying to shoot with your little, you know, laser gun sniper another real human being who's on their own structure over there so there's no danger of anyone getting mm-hmm. punched um <laughs> you're just trying to snipe each other uh which is basically just long distance laser tag uh that can be kind of a, an interesting experience like basically a duel or there's a duel with um revolver ocelot in the second game where you're like across like a chasm from each other if memory serves and so you can't actually get over to him you're just shooting each other but yes, I we could definitely do some kind of duel like that, where there's something preventing you from just running over and punching the other person, um, where you could get some some sweet gunplay action, and you know only one person could win, type of stuff. And
1: that's actually like that's actually very true to the series too, because I think in basically every Metal Gear, there's some kind of sniper battle. It's so, like you had Sniper Wolf yeah. in the first one, and second one you had like the oil fence where you have to like protect Emma. You have uh the end in 3 yep. the end in 3 um, mm-hmm. 5 you have quiet i'm struggling to remember if there was one in 4 but i i'm, I'm not 100% sure
0: that game is a, a trip that 4 <laughs> or something so much else. 4 i think had
1: 4 i think had like really incredible gameplay but the story was buck wild
0: yeah yeah and that is something that 4 was really you know hugely um, discussed on the internet for because it, it had all these crazy long cutscenes and just some crazy bonkers stuff happens Yeah, that one's a wild ride, especially I think because it came after 3, which was the one set earliest in time, so it was the most like 60s style, um, kind of low tech compared to all the rest of the games, and it's set outdoors, whereas all the other games before were largely indoors, so going from 3 to 4, it was like totally different. It's set like modern day, um, yeah, I don't know, lots of crazy technology and really really different from 3
1: I think that every good amusement park needs food as well obviously
0: I agree yeah especially after this we're exhausted from uh, this you know high intensity high octane obstacle course we just completed What's in the uh, the commissary? Is it just ration boxes? Ration
1: boxes. You're eating
0: python,
1: eating rabbit. Yeah, we got, oh, we yeah, got a, snake a full-on snake-eater menu. <laughs> we got calorie mates and rations. Yeah, but then we got like snakes and rabbits and various little birds and frogs and stuff. Some days you dine on a tree frog, as, as they say in the song. gotta be gotta be some jungle food
0: yeah that's that's pretty crazy i don't know if a modern audience would love it but i think there's some some people would definitely be into trying that like hey you know i i had to eat all this food as snake in metal gear solid 3 what's it actually taste like bad yeah it probably tastes horrible um hmm. i like that idea that's pretty cool (laughs) and I'm, i'm always curious what the rations taste like because in the game it's so much just like you know, Pac-Man eating a pellet or something. It's like it's such an abstract thing. It's like, oh, this uh, weird disc. I guess I ate it. Like, I don't know what. What even is that? <laughs> but uh, there could be different ones. Like that could be almost like a lunchbox type of thing or like a bento box. Like inside can be different combinations of food that actually tastes good. It's just served in this kind of boring looking you know, ration uh, military thing. style ration package. Because I
1: think that's the idea of the rations is that they're MREs, like they're the military ready to eat meals that the military has. But those are disgusting. I've had them before. They're not good. And I think that would be a good idea to package them in these containers that like look like you're going to get this like gross MRE food, but it's actually like actually good food.
0: I think that sounds awesome. And you could even maybe order different things and it just comes in that package. Yeah. So you can uh, still get your favorite kind of food. I think that's really cool, man. Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: (laughs) They could probably have those stationed in all those safe zones, probably.
0: Totally. Yeah, so a lot of the game is, is kind of sneaking around, and you're like collecting stuff, you're finding new weapons, you're collecting rations, different kinds of camouflage. I guess the park guests could find different weapons. There can be weapons hidden throughout the different little obstacle course areas, and if you find one, that's great. Now you have a new tool, and if you don't, then you don't, and that's Okay. There could also be specific rooms that are kind of more like an escape room, where it's like a one-off experience. Maybe it's optional. And each one is only centered around a specific weapon. Like, there can be a rocket launcher one. There can be a silenced uh, pistol one. The maybe infinite ammo gun that you get by uh, completing three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you get to wear the tuxedo and have the (laughs) infinite ammo machine gun. Uh, That's fun. It might
1: even be... So, we talked about having, like, the VR stuff for, like, the tactical thing um if you don't want to do like the action stuff but like maybe those rooms could be like the like playing the VR missions like being in the VR mission it could be a similar style
0: oh i love that the graphics are really cool in those areas where it's largely just wireframes with black faces on everything not like black face i mean like the walls are black and the floors are black um geometrically i mean <laughs> i mean geometric faces yeah. oh jeez um yeah, I love that art style. It's really cool. Kind of Tron ish.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Game grid.
0: Uh something I really like uh also in this franchise is kind of like building the mother base. Like in Metal Gear Solid Five you can kind of recruit different people to put on your like oil rig treehouse type yeah, of <laughs> thing yeah. that you're like assembling over time.
1: Uh <laughs> <laughs> big bosses. Uh, no girls allowed. Treehouse in the Sea Club.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have played um, the least of Metal Gear Solid Five, actually. So, um, can you describe a little bit more about the the ins and outs or fun parts about Mother Base?
1: I have a lot of thoughts about Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, the so Mother Base is designed to be this like home base type of deal for Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid Five, Venom Snake, where um, where you come back to all of your soldiers are there. So there's mechanics in 5 where as you do tasks, people want to join your cause. And so you have people that join and come in and join your base just by playing, but then you also have the ability to Fulton, so attach basically attach this balloon to these guys and launch them into the air and send them back to mother base and recruit them.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like catching a Pokemon. Like, it's like, I've beat you so bad that I'm going to use this device to take you back to my place and you're going to be my friend now. Um, A little sketchy, but hey, it works. They seem happy when they uh, come to back on Mother Base. they seem to be. They're like, hey, cool. I don't have to be a bad guy anymore. That's nice. (laughs)
1: Um, But yeah, so you can recruit these guys and as you recruit guys, you can assign them to these different platforms and the platforms make your experience easier, better, whatever you want to say. So like there's research platforms that develop new weapons and tools for you to use in the field. And then there's like command platforms and like all kinds of stuff that like increase stats and help you succeed in the field more. Um, And then you can take your guys and you can send them on missions elsewhere while you're doing your stuff to get more resources and continue to build mother base up and up and up. So it's this like, it's this base building kind of deal And the idea of it is fun. I think I preferred the Mother Base in uh, Peace Walker because in Five, they give you the Mother Base to explore, but it's kind of empty and a little, like, it felt, like, not very fleshed out. Whereas in Peace Walker, it was just menus. And, like, it was fun enough in just the menus. And I think if, like, Fives was a little bit more fleshed out and had a little bit more life to it and was not such a pain to navigate around Um, It could have been really cool, but I think I prefer, like, the menu-based of Peace Walker.
0: Yeah, the concept to me, it's, it's kind of like Animal Crossing or something, where you kind of, like, add new, you know, villagers to your town, and, like, the place becomes more lively over time, and more opportunities to get stuff, and it's a cool feedback loop, and you're making progress continually, um... Or almost like something like Fallout Shelter, if you've ever played that that mobile game, um, it's kind of cool. Like I'd love to do something similar to that in this theme park, whether it's purely menus or there's little icons or whatever. And maybe that is how you find those kind of additional unlockable people to put in your ear to be your your guiding voices, um, is you can kind of rescue them, and that'd be kind of a cool way to include kind of Easter eggs or characters from the game series, like you know maybe in this storyline of the theme park you know you find these characters who you haven't encountered yet and you can kind of rescue them maybe they're being held hostage or something or they're kind of a random like uh blind box like you don't know what what loot you're gonna get out of this crate and it's like oh hey here's this person who's gonna be you know a new voice on your headset they're gonna be at your mother base now um be kind of a cool way of of doing collectibles basically and it could all just be kind of virtual or digital. Like, you know, you see it on your device, you have maybe a live camera feed and you can see what the people are doing on your base. And that'd be cool to uh, give people something to remember the park by, you know, if they can go home and like keep playing this little, like, <laughs> I don't know, military style Animal Crossing game. Uh <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you can play it before you even go to the theme park, and then when you get there, your your in game unlockables are actual resources for you in the theme park experience. I
1: almost think you can even tie that into like those like stealth obstacle course sections too, because like what if if we're saying okay, well you can tear down like flags or tap them with a with a foam knife or whatever to to knock them out maybe there are guards that are like dressed up a specific way and you have like this badge that unlocks like a box that you can take a token with a code that like adds a person to your base or something like that like that Ooh, could be a cool. thing like that's like your yeah. your virtual fulton device you know
0: totally and that that's can be another incentive to do the non-lethal technique is if you kill somebody you can't just like you know evacuate them out of there and take them home with you
1: yeah well i mean you could but that'd be really weird <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, It'd just be a messy surprise when you get home to the base like man you guys have been swamping the decks there's this dead body yeah, sitting out it here smells
1: bad <laughs> like it's just the seagulls bad.
0: love it though um yuck uh anyway <laughs> so that's something we could <laughs> could do cool iconic locations in this franchise too uh it's largely based on you know planet earth but i was always fascinated by uh outer haven yeah i really love uh the mechanic of that in the uh, risk variant that's metal gear solid themed i just kind of it's basically a continent that kind of floats around and it's it adds a lot to that game um yeah i don't know It's it's a really cool Cool concept. I don't know. Is there something we could do with with Outer Haven?
1: I'm sure there probably could be something. Like, I almost thought, because I think, like, I think, like, the obstacle course things are really cool, but, like, obviously, it's an amusement park, right? So you need to have, like, attractions. And I think, kind of like, like, like a Disney World, like, you can zone it out. So, like, you have, like, a section that's based on one, and that's, like, your Shadow Moses section. And then there's, like, um, there's, like, a Big Shell section, an Outer Haven section, and, like, here's like outdoor jungle section for three and you can kind of go crazy like that the thing with four is that it takes place all over the world like each chapter takes place in a different place but like you can dedicate uh four's like theming to be outer haven so that could be like an outer haven zone and i think like there's definitely room for like rides and attractions in here like i thought about the idea of like having this like wild roller coaster that you ride it and like it surrounds a metal gear and you have like, like a gun turret stationed on your car. And as you're going around, you have to like shoot, like shoot the metal gear to like destroy it as you're going around the roller coaster or something like that.
0: That's awesome. I always love those kind of boss fight style roller coasters where you surround something and have to shoot it with your (laughs) little onboard gun. That's so cool. You could do an attraction where you're driving a metal gear as well. Like, which those are the mech, uh, nuke launcher things. They're really cool designs, too. I just love looking at those. Like, it could be cool if there's some that are, like, decommissioned or, like, uh, I don't know, some really maybe old prototypes that you could just kind of explore around in this theme park. Because, I don't know, they're such cool, beautiful, like, robotic dinosaur-inspired, really simple, dumb walking robots. But but they're extremely dangerous and scary, and uh, it'd be cool to uh, do some cool stuff with the with the Metal Gears.
1: Well, I think you can even put that in, like, the Metal Gear Solid 4 section, because you definitely do pilot a Metal Gear in 4, and that would be a really cool, like, attraction to, to do. Even if it's just, like, virtually, you could, like, go around and just, like, fight another Metal Gear in a virtual display, and you have, like, the cockpit around you, and it's just, like, really immersive. That'd be very cool.
0: Yeah. Right, That where the, the windows are just screens. Like, oh, dude, that's a great idea. Uh, kind of similarly, um... So kind of weird spinoff game. I'm kind of blanking on the name right now. The one where you are like this weird cyborg Raiden. Oh, character. Metal Gear,
1: Metal Gear Rising. Revengeance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Revengeance. Um, doing it like a VR experience with that because that character has these bizarre, crazy superhero, like ninja moves Um It'd be, which most of our park guests probably can't perform those techniques, but it'd be kind of cool to do a similar thing, almost like you're driving a, you know, a Metal Gear, but you're just you're driving this crazy cyborg dude who can do all these crazy flips and stuff.
1: It could almost be like a full-on, like, VR, like, Fruit Ninja, right? Like...
0: That's true. It could be like an on-rails kind of experience where you're not controlling the location. You're just slashing with your sword. So basically, it could be a roller coaster, man. Wow. It's a roller coaster... That represents the experience of being the brain <laughs> inside of that body. Cyborg Ninja. Yeah. 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 Which you could also do one that's themed just like Cyborg Ninja. <laughs> um, what's that character's name? Gray um, Fox. Gray Fox.
1: Yeah. In the main one. There's, there's a couple, there's a couple different Cyborg Ninjas in the series.
0: Of course, there's a couple different Cyborg Ninja in this action figure video. Yeah, game. Like, <laughs> it,
1: like pick one, pick one of the seven.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> What could be cooler? <laughs> Yeah, I just wish they had, like, different colors, and then they each drove different styles of robots, and they could combine together to make one giant one, and then my life would be complete. <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of, the Cyborg Ninja does kind of look like a sweet, high-tech he Power Sure, Ranger. he
1: does. Like, he looks like, like, the secret sixth one that comes in halfway through the season. <laughs>
0: Which, you know, that's the coolest one. All, it's the one always the coolest one. On. His armor's cooler, <laughs> he's got
1: cooler megazords, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and he he has his own sword, basically that can like walk on its own, and
1: yeah, you know. and then he like always has like two extra ones that can make like a full on Megazord that he pilots by himself. Like it's
0: yeah, what gives this guy the right to have his own several different swords yeah, when said? these five other guys? Who told you? Yeah. Injustice, <laughs> man, it's not fair. Wow. So does the part guest? Are they Snake?
1: Um, I f- I feel like they probably have to be right. Like I think the idea is like. To make you feel like the hero,
0: we could do a thing where they are. Oh, man, that's kind of trippy. I don't know. Like because they're not going to look like snake necessarily. They look like themselves. Maybe that's like their disguise or something. Hmm, it's kind of weird. Is like, is there a little snake inside of all of us? Are we all secretly snake on the inside? Are we all clones of each other? Oh God, how does that? Let's work? not get into
1: clones because we'll be here for another like <laughs> f- like five hours. <laughs>
0: Because, like, you go to the food court, and presumably everyone in there is some version of Snake, right? Uh...
1: There is a tool in 4 that is a mask that can camouflage into whatever, so that could be a thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Dude, the the camouflage system might be kind of cool. The one from 3, where you're effectively, like, just putting on different colors of face paint and different patterns, um, it's kind of a cool system and it allows you to, it has like a measurement of of how visible you are um, based on your environment. I don't know if that's something we want to represent here necessarily like directly, but that could be kind of a thing where um, maybe it's an unlockable thing that you come across. You come across a different pattern of camo and I don't know if it'd be physical representation or something in the app, hopefully physical, that's more fun. But you can put on these different outfits to have a better success rate. Like it's harder for the the guards to see you in the snow if you're wearing white camouflage like that's a pretty logical one but that kind of thing
1: this is all hypothetical right so we can do whatever whatever we want what if like part of price of mission is you get like this like vest that is like the octo camo and then you can unlock camouflage that you can change your octo camo as you go through the park
0: that's so cool i really like that and it could even be like um even just you swap out the vest, like, you know, you go to, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, a, a depot, like, a little station where you can switch out your weapons and stuff. They can also switch out your, your vest that you're wearing so that it's a physical representation. Like, it looks like the camo that it is. That would work.
1: And then, like, you can take it home with you or whatever just to heck have it, you know?
0: Yeah, I think the, the collectibles, the little feelies would be so cool. Even if it's just, like, you know, dog tags and little mementos.
1: And three, there's like those little like frog those carotan frog things, like maybe you can collect those if you find one, swipe it up, and like you can keep it as a as a as a as a keepsake, but like maybe you get like a ten percent discount at the store or at the gift
0: shop if you I love that, <laughs> yeah, and you could get different like patches like um that you put on the outside of like your jacket or maybe even different military like stripes like bars yeah. on your you know I don't know you take it home put it on your jean jacket or whatever
1: yeah well, and part of like part of like metal gear has always been, like, you beat the game, and then what's your rank? Like, what animal code and sign are you? Like, what did you do? And, like, maybe that could be, like, a prize. Like, at the end, like, you get, like, this patch that tells you, like, you're you're the, you're the a bat or you're, like, a leopard or whatever.
0: I love that. You can do different, like, colors for different achievements, and I like the idea of tracking those, and then you can only get that thing by achieving that rank. Like, there's kind of exclusive stuff that you get access to. That's awesome. Oh man, How cool. <laughs> this theme park is just—it's so cool. It's such—it's such a, such a rich world, and being able to like touch and feel and live some of this, uh, some of it. Not—I not, wouldn't actually want to be not snake necessarily. It, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I'd like but, to like dive into the the socio political economics of uh, like what it means to be a, a person living in the millennium, turn of the century millennium. Is this real or is this a, is this all virtual game type of... I just... Breaks my brain. Two is a brain breaker, I think, and I don't know if I'd like to get involved in all that. I just want to play Sneaky Sneaky.
0: Right, right. Some of that stuff is like... It's weird how um drastically different it is. Like, the there's the action figure, like you know, Saturday morning anime feeling stuff. And then there's also the like, I don't know stuff that like some 60 year old, like war veteran with like PTSD would be writing about like philosophically.
1: Yeah. Here's a one hour dissertation on the cold war. Like, I mean, it's just that the the tonal shifts are, I mean, honestly, we could, we can do a roller coaster just based on the tonal shifts the game
0: takes. <laughs> <Like it's> just... <laughs> that's so fun. Wait, That's actually kind of a cool way of doing it. Like if you want to, you know, catch up with the story thus far, like here's the original Metal Gear, um, you know, the, the NES game or whatever, uh, you can kind of go through the ups and downs and twists and turns in the plot and like, it just is basically a summary of the story you know, the highlights are are voice acted and you see some of the key pivotal scenes and you feel the like, you know, 4D experiences. That's really kind of fun. Wow.
1: <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I think a lot of people might even need a story summary anyway. Like maybe like you have to t- get on that ride to get into the park to see you understand what's going on.
0: I mean, that could be like the ride vehicle to get from the central hub to any of these like specific game based lands, so to speak. Um yeah like that, that's kind of cool i like that that works
1: i also i also kind of like the idea of like in the central hub like we talked about like the idea of like uh shooting's fine punch is not but like i do kind of like the idea of having like a dojo where like an actual like licensed karate guy will like show you karate techniques or something like that just to like simulate cqc
0: go through some cqc training i think that'd be awesome I don't know how you do it safely exactly, especially because a lot of it is you're holding a gun in one hand and a knife in the other one, and um, which, hey, that's good for you. That's cool. They could just be foam, I guess, and then you learn how to do like cool karate moves with, with that stuff.
1: Then you can go home and do sick karate in your garage.
0: <laughs> I mean, this, this is generally a, a park for nerds, as are most amusement parks uh, creations, but it's also <laughs> good to get a little exercise now and then, you know, stay... Uh, stay fit like snake or whatever.
1: <laughs> and then I think you could probably also like select like a couple of iconic bosses and like build a riot around them as well. So like is... I think like a lot of it could be like those like four D like flight simulator things where you're kind of like floating around in like this arena space and like using like a like a gun turret.
0: And you could do some like trippy stuff. Like that that boss battle is kind of Famous because it could read data from your memory card and comment on what kind of games you like. Um, so I don't know if you would have people, like, for the app, they log in through Facebook or Instagram or something, and then you, you like, pull moments from their life and have Psychomantis <laughs> like, tease them about them or whatever.
1: I think, like, you can, like, opt into that. But then, like, even if you don't, like, it can, like, it'll tag you on the things you've done in the past so, Like, hmm, you like to eat roasted python, hmm, or, like, something like that, like...
0: <laughs> yeah you can track all their their stuff they've done on the app and like who they've talked to and what kind of character they're role playing as if they're choosing like different text options and they're always you know uh a smart Alec, then like i don't know psychomandist can give them a hard time about that that's really cool and and all of the bosses that have like you know supernatural powers can make for a really interesting roller coaster whether they're you know, kind of teleporting around or like they're a big dude on roller skates. There's like all <laughs> kinds of different <laughs> or the end, the end, boss fight, yeah. like as like the most bizarre, like, dude, there's so many like weird moments in that franchise. Like the boss battles are always really unique and kind of a trip. uh, And those would be great for roller coasters or, or ride experiences. Maybe they're not always super uh movement heavy.
1: Or like, I think like a Vulcan Raven could be like a cool like ride i think like any of the 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 main bosses from 4 could be a really cool ride i think like you'd get some interesting stuff out of like a battle a boss battle with fortune you know what i mean from 2 where she has that railgun and so you're on a you're on a roller coaster and like you're going through this like warehouse area almost and then like these like lightning strikes will like hit right behind the car as you're going and so you're like dodging her
0: yeah there's some really good dramatic tension in that fight
1: because it's very hard to do like a major attraction on like stealth which is what the core of the series is right but but like you have these boss battles that are designed to be action that you can then convert into like if not a roller coaster like various other types of like amusement park attractions with like a twist you know
0: you could also do a ride attraction where you're driving the uh the motorcycle with like ava in the you know passenger seat like it could be a two two player ride where one person's driving one player person's shooting or something
1: yeah you can do that with a couple of things too because then you have like the jeep battle and one at the end um where you're fighting liquid so you can have a driver and somebody that's like fighting liquid then you have like the motorcycle in four in the chapter three uh, or act three in eastern europe you can have one of those i think i think my favorite one is in three though like towards the end where you're like riding the motorcycle and fighting the Shagahod and what have you.
0: I also always liked the kind of opening cinematic of the first of Metal Gear Solid. Like you've got this little tiny like one man um, submarine and I don't know if, how exciting that would be as an attraction but it'd be kind of cool to be able to explore some kind of underwater thing through a, a roller coaster. And maybe that could be a thing where you're invading Shadow Moses and there's like a couple different entry points you can kind of choose. You get to choose from a branching path like different places you could go so basically the roller coaster can have different endings depending on where you end up
1: which then prompts you to ride the roller coaster more times and
0: right right and maybe then when you get maybe when you get out of the roller coaster you uh you go into like a different kind of sneaking section after that depending on where you ended up
1: yeah it changes where you where you dump out that'd be pretty cool hmm intriguing
0: cool <laughs> I'm really into this yeah man. this, this is, is really cool i mean it's a, it's a crazy world uh and it'd be really fun to turn into a theme park I think it's um not the most obvious choice for a theme for a theme park but I think it's super cool and there's tons of compelling stuff going on all around you to uh to experience well I think
1: like the other ones too is like there so i have two i have two other ones that I think would be would be interesting for two different reasons so um in three you have that one ride where or you have that one section where you're walking down the river that's such a like a really like powerful section and so i don't want to like re- if you're interested in playing metal gear um three is a really great game and that's such a like i don't want to spoil that section but if i say the river to anybody who's played metal gear you know what i'm talking about
0: right and you could see the consequences of certain things you might have chosen throughout the theme park
1: and that'd be like a really killer like tower of terror like horror themed ride almost and then the other one is is more of a joke but i think if i didn't say it my co-host would be mad at me. Um. The, so in five, so you said you did play a lot of five, but there's, <laughs> there's a section at the end, towards the end um of the main story where the big bad of the game, um, you sit in the back of this Jeep and he monologues to you for about five minutes. And the other 10 minutes are just you guys sitting in the back of this Jeep on this Jeep ride in silence, uh or like the two of you are not talking in silence and. You're then. This song by Donna Burke starts playing in the background, so you're just listening to the song while you wait for this jeep to arrive at its destination in real time, like a lazy river. Except you're driving down a dirt road in Afghanistan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I also uh, maybe one of the people you can rescue or that you like find on one of the roller coasters is Hideo Kijima and uh you can get him to be like the voice in your ear like he's one of the rarer like <laughs> unlockable companions because he's in the game which yeah.
1: is really he, he, like he does put himself into the end it's so weird but like you just kind of go with it because he's kind of just like that so we kind of let him get away with a lot of stuff that i don't think we would let other people get away with because of who he is
0: and i think that's probably not okay fair enough fair enough but it uh he's interesting and he's uh consistent in his surprises uh what do you think about doing something for the more like open kind of desert areas um you know like there's a lot of of areas where you're like just kind of you can ride on a horse through the desert and then like come up with your own approach to an area i guess it could still be just a sneaking part when we were discussing that earlier i was picturing being like more interior spaces like um like metal gear solid one but you could do those in different kinds of environments yeah that could definitely
1: be like an exterior themed that's maybe a little bit bigger i do like the idea of like maybe having like a section where you can do like horseback riding like if you want to try riding a horse you know that could be something
0: yeah that could be kind of cool even as like a thing to do i don't know something that's not super high stakes and scary yeah like
1: along a track maybe or like like within like an enclosed space within this area that could be cool <laughs>
0: What do you think about uh, Metal Gear... Is it called Metal Gear Survive? Metal Gear uh, Solid It's called Survive?
1: Metal Gear Survive. It's trash. <laughs> it is a trash game. And I don't think... I would I would <laughs> much rather not incorporate any element of it into this part. Because <laughs> that's not
0: good. Fair enough. I, yeah, I didn't know if it would be cool to do kind of a zombies style area at all.
1: <gasps> well, that might be cool. Titans like that horror ride. I, I'll... I'll allow it on probation.
0: <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to theme it as Metal Gear Survive either. It could just be like uh, the Metal Gear um, Survival area. <laughs> I didn't mean for the name to <laughs> so be as close. close as it is, but it's pretty on the nose, I guess. Survive. That,
1: honestly, that could be cool though. The thing with Survive um, was that, like, it was just too like the the parts where you deal with the zombies in mass are just too difficult because the this you it's this like resource building game where you like build up walls it's almost like plants versus zombies meets metal gear and you build up these walls and you have these resources to defend your like little area from these zombie things while you shit while you like teleport something back to your base or something like that and so i think that could be a cool like attraction like game idea it's just we would need to make it fair because like the resource management system in survive is garbage and so we would need to tweak that a little bit but i like the idea of doing it
0: yeah and having it as like a large-scale multiplayer laser tag type of thing like humans versus zombies style thing could be could be pretty cool uh this park sounds awesome uh, but there is a another more recent Kojima game that we haven't touched on too much, which is Death Stranding. Would you want to include that in this theme park? Or.
1: If you think about like Universal Studios, right? So Universal Studios has like a main big park, but then it has like an offshoot, which is like the Harry Potter world, or like Disneyland had Galaxy's Edge for Star Wars, or like California Adventure, right? So Death Stranding World, I think, would be an offshoot of this Metal Gear park. So it would be like that side park that you can go to. And. This thing is just, like, outdoor adventure land. It's, like, hiking trails and, like, rock climbing walls. And you can learn how to rappel and you can, like, you can, like, do inclines and you can, like, go up, like, fake snow and, like, climb a mountain, you know, quote, and do all this kind of, like, outdoorsy stuff. So it's, like, this huge optional thing. But it's, like, if you're an adventurous type, if you're an outdoorsy type, if you like the idea of, like, summiting Mount Everest, like, you can go and do... Death Stranding parking, like, get all this, like, outdoorsy hiking climber adventure stuff out of your system.
0: That's really cool. And you could definitely incorporate that in the physical kind of layout of the main Metal Gear part, which is kind of split up into, like, maybe five to seven different, like, fingers, like, different lands. So the parts that are indoors, like the Shadow Moses area, could have a big giant mountain built over the top of it because it's all indoors anyway. And then... Uh, for the kind of outdoor areas, they could be spaced far enough to where it's like, hey, look, there's some cool, you know, scenic mountains over there across the, like, waterway. And then that's actually an area you can get to from the Death Stranding area. So, like, logistically, I feel like that would work. It could be a way of covering a lot of the interior spaces and adding scenery to the background of the outdoor spaces. Um, Yeah, so that'd be kind of cool. It would also be neat to be able to go to, you know, climb the top of this peak and you can see over, like, there's a, a beautiful, like vista and you can see the like big shell thing from metal gear solid 2 out on the out on the water be kind of cool
1: i mean obviously death stranding is is about these like traversing these like really big outdoor spaces and like this big adventure but like again uh, obviously the main mechanic of it is like the reason why you're doing this is to deliver packages right so like you can you can do this stuff but then like you can you can go to these, like, base points around the area and, like, pick up a package that you, like, strap to your back and then you can go on your adventure, you know?
0: That's really cool.
1: But I also think there's, like, something to be said. Like, you can do that and, like, you can... That's how you, like, earn, like, extra stuff for your app and, like, like your prizes and stuff like that. But if you're just into it for the, for, like, the adventure, you can just go and do it without having to worry about the packages. You just don't
0: get anything for it. Well, that's really cool. I mean, you still have a cool, like, photo op, you still had a cool day. You got a little bit of exercise in, uh, and then maybe go practice your karate moves you learned earlier up on top of a mountain, and that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> I really like I, this. I want this park to exist really bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> can oh, I tell you absolutely. Uh, I I think it would be so much fun to experience, and I, I wish that even just like a laser tag place or like an escape room would just go for a Metal Gear theme. Because it's so like rich and vibrant and kooky and super entertaining on multiple different levels, and there's you know some things that the dad is going to enjoy, and there's some things that the little kid is going to enjoy. Like there's a really cool, um, I don't know, broad slash very specific reach that this game series has, and it'd be cool to be able to to celebrate that and, and interact with it in person.
1: There is a Metal Gear Escape Room in Japan. We have a friend named Alice who has been on our show who goes to Japan, I think, like, once a year with her dad and actually did the Escape Room. And apparently it's not that great, but, like, it's, like, the experience of it. And we actually have an episode she was on um, a couple months ago where she kind of talked about that experience. So
0: Cool. I got to check that out. That's awesome.
1: So... It's out there. It's just maybe not as good as like what we have come up with. I'm gonna I'm gonna toot our <laughs> horns on this one. I like this idea.
0: I like it a lot. And even for like the escape room stuff, you could even include a guard. Like I, I this just kind of randomly popped in my head. But if we want to uh, avoid the costly robots that we're gonna have at the main theme park, these little you know satellite locations could just have like um, basically the escape room is maybe like in a room. Um, but up high, like 10 feet up, there's like a catwalk going around and there's guards walking around up there. So you basically have to be aware of where the guard is when you need to go look and check in that corner of the room to grab the clue. You have to like watch the patrolling guards up above so that they don't spot you. Um, and then, you know, maybe if you get hit with a spotlight, you're, you lose or something. Um, and you can maybe find a weapon at some point in the escape room and shoot them, but they're not actually there. It's just like a screen. The whole ceiling is a screen of dudes like walking around on a catwalk. And that way you don't have to worry about physically interacting with the guards or paying someone to pretend to be a guard. It's just a big screen up there that uh can detect you. You know, at certain points it's watching this part of the room, at certain points it's part it's watching that part of the room. And you just have to be aware and like be a little sneaky. So yeah, that, that could be kind of a cool little throwaway thing.
1: Yeah, I do like that idea. And I, just one more thing, I do like the idea of like having that. And I also like the idea of like having that like broad strokes, like stealth areas we have throughout the park. But then having that attraction that's like here's a very specifically designed like stealth course. Go, you know.
0: We can have some experiences that are really, really designed to work on that scale. And I guess all of our rooms would kind of be like that. Where it's designed to be, you know, like maybe ten to fifteen minutes, nothing like too too exhausting or too impossible, but uh, maybe a pretty good difficulty curve, and
1: that's where you can get that one-on-one stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, give people some cool, empowering moments. The tragedy of this show is, uh, yeah, the imagination is a very powerful thing, <laughs> and uh, reality is, I don't know, more real. <laughs> Oh, you
1: mean you don't have like a couple hundred million dollar budget to make this happen? Oh.
0: Unfortunately I, I you know, I've got the budget but I don't have the rights from Konami. Gosh,
1: gotcha. I've been
0: duped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is an unlicensed podcast, guys. We're uh it's not gonna actually happen. But hey, maybe, you know, if the uh pachinko business ever goes down, maybe they'll switch to uh doing theme parks. I'd be down. I'd go to uh, Castlevania theme park or, you know, Metal Gear Solid or, you know, Konami's got some cool stuff. Yeah, they do. Sam, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, if the audience enjoyed you being here, where can they find you uh, online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, so, if you want to find me personally, um, you can find me on Twitter. My My Twitter handle is Sanjul. That's S-A-N-J-U-U-L. It's a long story. Um, uh, and and I also like very casually do dumb YouTube videos, which you can get to by going to bit.ly forward slash Sam does a thing. Um, so that's another thing that I do. If you want to follow metal gear Mondays, which like, if you did, that'd be really awesome. Um, where it's metal gear Mondays on, we're on, uh, Spotify, uh, I Heart radio, uh, Apple podcasts, uh, uh Google Google podcast like every everywhere you get a podcast we we're on basically and um find us there but then we also have our website Metal Gear Mondays.com and you can follow her at Metal Gear Monday No S at the end uh character limits so we had to settle for Metal Gear Monday.
0: But yeah your website is really cool, your show's really cool if you like Metal Gear Solid, you will love Metal Gear Mondays. Thanks for being a part of this, man. I really appreciate your expertise and your passion. I think that was a super cool and very unique theme park.
1: I think so, too. I'm really excited that we got to like talk that out because I've never thought, like, I would like to make Metal Gear a theme park. And then you, you messaged us on Twitter and were like, hey, do you want to turn Metal Gear into a theme park? And I was like, let's do it. Thank you for giving me, like, this, like, opportunity to talk about this, like, the series in, like, this really unique way, because I feel like I've talked about Metal Gear in so many, like, different ways, and I did not expect to come up with, like, another unique way to talk about it, so this has been great.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for being on. I know it's kind of a weird thing, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm curious what it's like to be a listener of just this show, because we dip our toes into like so many different diverse waters and it, like it's almost unlikely that someone will be familiar with every single topic we've covered on the show um but you know if someone's really into metal gear they might like just this one episode and that's totally cool they can follow you back to your podcast like that's why i like having different uh guests on every episode is I can find someone who's just diehard about this one thing that's only going to be this one episode of Amusement Spark. So might as well bring in an expert and uh, direct people who like it to their show. Like, I don't know. It's it's a fun format for me as a host because it's like I get to do a little bit of research on a ton of different topics and then also listen to a bunch of cool podcasts to find, in my opinion, some of the best hosts out there who could be awesome guests on my show. So uh, it's a rewarding thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for it's people like you who do your very specific uh, podcasts that make this show possible. So, thanks for doing what you do, man. Thanks for doing Metal Gear Mondays. It's a great show.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm. I hope. Uh, I hope to keep doing it for as long as I possibly can. It's. It's been. It's. It's been this very fulfilling thing, and it's helped me through a lot of like difficult stuff. The weirdest thing about about Metal Gear Mondays that I really, really love about what Metal Gear Mondays has done for me is it's turned me into a mental health advocate, which is like I love that. super important because like I have those I have those like I have some pretty deep struggles and I, I get into them on the show and like my Twitter has kind of like every so often like I'll post like a thing about it and like it's it's uh, it's become like it's it's a very important part of like me now.
0: That's amazing. And ideally, it's a big part of, of everyone, you know, of their life, because I feel like historically people just don't shine a light on that thing, even though it's so crucial. It's weird how society has evolved to be like, oh, yeah, um, please hide your your pain and like, don't talk about anything that's difficult. Um, <laughs> like, let's just all put fake smiles on. Like, I don't think we want to do that anymore. I think we want to be honest and be able to help each other and be transparent.
1: The thing that we talk about pretty regularly on the show is just like, hey, it is okay to not be okay. There are people out there who can and will help you and want to help you, and we always offer ourselves up. as like, if you need somebody to talk to, come talk to us.